Unlocking the secret to better parenting. This is Growing Pains on the Light Breakfast. And it's time for us to talk about raising kids. And we're talking about why myths are bad. And helping us navigate this minefield is our resident child psychologist, Katiana Asman. In sort of every kind of culture, there are always those myths of Santa Claus, Tooth Fairy, Boogeyman, whatever version of it, Easter Bunny. Um, Hang on, hang on. Easter Bunny? Myth? What what do you mean myth? (laughs) And there is my point of question number five that Nan has jumped to right now. <laughs> you know, we use them and we use them with kids because they're fun and they're lovely and they're, mm. they're stories. But I want to talk about how we actually use them as a strategy without even realizing as parents. I think most commonly it's used as a deterrent for behavior, right? Mm-hmm. I think I use that. More. I mean, yes, I grew up hearing stories about Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and things like that. But I think that the one that I hear most commonly within our culture is these myths that I, I'm not going to say weaponized, but they're used very much to deter kids from doing certain things or to enforce certain things that mom and dad believes in that the child might not, right? So it's used often as a tool rather than as a fun story, right? And I think that when we do that, that's where the problem can then start because we are not, one, it's a, it's a, it's a source of fiction, right? So we're not kind of necessarily backing it with anything factual or scientific that the kids can actually learn and grow from. And you're also kind of, I think probably why it's used so often, perpetuating this whole, you do it because I say so, rather than because it's true or right or things like that. So I think that when we use it in that fashion, it has the possibility of becoming a little problematic. So I would tell parents, just be a little bit more mindful if that's going to be the the technique you use. But I'd have to say definitely something that I hear very, very often. Okay, so then therefore, in terms of early development, how do the myths actually affect a child's thought process? They lack the life experience to be able to rationalize and reason and kind of figure out whether these things are true or not right so I mean I remember I don't know if this was kind of odd for a lot of people but I remember there was one story that I was told a lot as a kid that you know if you stare too long in the bathroom something will come out of the mirror oh I remember one of those can't remember Uh, yeah Mm. Yeah. And so I remember it just being something that used to terrify me as a kid to the point where I was just too afraid to go to the bathroom myself. I mean, as an adult hearing that, like realistically, probably not something that's going to happen to you and probably was used more as a don't waste so much time in the bathroom kind Mm. of a parenting tool. But I think that because you lack the life experience, I was probably about four or so when I remember this happening, we don't have the ability to rationalize that realistically that was what the purpose was for. And realistically, this thing is not going to happen. So what it resulted in was a child who could not go to the bathroom without an escort. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that that's kind of what happens when you use these stories in this way very early on. You forget that kids do not have the cognitive capacity to be able to rationalize it and not have it be something that really, really affects them. So don't be surprised if you have kids who struggle to go to sleep at night, who might have night terrors, who might avoid a lot of very important daily routines and functions because they can't do that process. So that's where it can start to impact them negatively if they're very, very young. How does it impact kids then, you know, when the kids finally start going to kindergarten or even, and I've heard this in junior school and middle school, where the kids firmly believe in something like that, Mm -hmm. looking in the mirror or some kind of folklore, whatever, and they Mm -hmm. become the point of ridicule Mm -hmm. from others, you know, Mm -hmm. how does it affect them then? 
because it's not something that's standard across the board. So absolutely, they are going to come into a situation where socially other kids are not going to understand it, right? You're going to have other kids that find these behaviors peculiar and odd and maybe, like you said, subject these kids to ridicule and bullying because, you know, other kids are just like, this is so childish, what's wrong with you, right? So I think on the social front, there's that impact, right? But I think also just on another end, it's mostly about what, what the fear is doing, right? So all of these fear tactics that come in with these stories, it causes kids to avoid things, right? And avoiding is kind of the problem because they're missing out on a lot of potentially important milestones for, for kids that age, right? So I think that once they go to school, that's where I feel the cracks start to happen because if you're, for example, in a family unit that believes and kind of reinforces these stories, you're not going to see anyone believe anything different because everyone's sort of being fed the same narrative. Mm. But once you go to school and you're around other people and you realize just that other people don't believe in the same thing, that can either A, help these kids overcome it or B, make them feel a lot worse because they're around people who don't understand what they're going through. So I think that, yeah, once they go to school, it's, it's a coin toss how they end up dealing with it. But there is a potential for, for them to not take it very well. So then how do we talk to our kids about this? I mean, in terms of dealing with, say, a friend who firmly believes something to be true and that that's mm. the only way. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, balancing this idea of, you know, you have to respect everyone's belief. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that it's very much like with any conversation that you're having with your kid with regards to accepting other people and their differences, whether it be their beliefs, whether it be their physical differences and things like that. I think it's important to kind of explain to kids that, you know, everybody believes in different things because everybody was raised differently and they had different experiences growing up. And so what we go through is just as important to us as what they go through. So it's important to remember that just because someone is different and they believe something different, doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with them, nor does it mean that there's anything wrong with you? And so if you have a friend who believes in something that you don't believe in, you can absolutely respect that that's where they're coming from. You don't have to necessarily agree or jump on board if you don't feel like you need to or you don't believe in it. But showing them that respect and recognizing that it's something that they really truly believe in is something that you can do still. Hmm. I remember an episode in when my son was in junior school and it was one of the meal times and his friend sort of rushed off and was always rushing off after every meal and my son asked him you know what are you doing he's like I've got to brush my teeth I've got to brush my teeth and I've got to time it for this amount of time and no. so he was like well, just one day it doesn't matter keep playing football with us or whatever they were mm. doing and he explained to the group of boys that if he didn't go and brush his teeth a seed from something he ate would go down into his stomach and start mm. growing a tree in there and the tree would grow out of his head his, mm. his brain would burst yep. I mean I think I'm going to say this luckily enough for that child everyone was too stunned to say anything mean or bad mm. yeah because you know at least that's better than you know outright ridicule yeah but I remember my son coming home and just going he really believed this like he was mm-hmm. in such a panic that he might not have time to go and do this before class should I say mm. anything to him and I said you know maybe you could just say oh I've heard that if you just wash out your mouth with water that kind of helps or whatever to sort of lessen mm. the blow so that he has more time to play with you mm. but it was kind of you know mm. concerning and I can see exactly what you mean and you can see how that was probably planted pun intended yes. that was probably planted with good intentions mm. right right so that's kind of where the the issue is right mm. so so yeah 
yeah, I think that uh, it's great that the kids just didn't burst out laughing because that would have been a very real possibility, right? But yeah, it's about, you know, being very respectful about how you take it on because this child is probably up until that point led to believe that this was true. So, you know, even just saying that's not going to happen, it's not going to be enough to, you know, dissuade the child from continuing to do that. So, yeah. So how do we help them transition, you know, in a way that doesn't backlash their, their trust in us in the future? And I'll give you an example here. When I had to break the news or rather when it was discovered that Santa Claus was not uh, Again, real. that is up for debate. <laughs> My son was so angry at me mm-hmm. because I had lied to him and I betrayed his trust because he blindly believed me. And still to this day, and this was years ago, I'm not allowed to mention that word. Mm. And uh, is very much against the whole idea of being passed down to you know his cousins because mm-hmm. it's an outright lie. For me, it was the tooth fairy. I was pretty devastated when I found out that it was mum and not the tooth fairy. So I think that, yeah, you know, if you kind of let the story kind of go on and then all of a sudden turn around and tell these kids that it's not true. Yeah, kids do get pretty upset about it, right? So I would say that, you know, if you want to kind of um, talk about Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and the tooth fairy, you're welcome to. But I think focus on sort of what they represent rather than this Mm. figure themselves, you know, of a bunny carrying Easter eggs Mm -hmm. and things like that. Because once kids start to get older, naturally the human brain is going to start questioning certain things. Um, Or if not, the kids around them are going to start questioning certain things. I remember I had a friend who was really, really keen on stressing that Santa Claus was real. And then when her daughter went to school, there was a child who was raised very much of the belief that Santa Claus was not real. Um, And so this kid came home in tears. My friend's daughter came home in tears because this other child had just been like, oh, you're so silly. Mm -hmm. Santa Claus is not real. Right. So so they're going to get that that introduction at some point. Right. Yes. Yes, I know. So so, and it's heartbreaking (laughs) to Mm -hmm. see sort of the, you know, the innocence leave their face. So I would say that, you know, you can focus on, for example, Santa Claus. You know, Christmas is a time where, you know, we celebrate the ones that we love. And so Santa Claus is a big part of Christmas, you know, and, and kind of what the story is and explaining that to kids and saying so what we do is that so you know we kind of still give each other gifts and we still celebrate our families and the people we love and things like that so they kind of are very much introduced to the concept and that there is sort of this icon that's attached to it but they don't necessarily cling to the idea and that's just with regards to these to these types of examples but I think this with the all the other myths as well I think the messaging is important because like I said like with the teeth brushing thing the message is good like we want you to brush your teeth and practice good dental hygiene but I think that that message can be delivered without having these fear tactics attached to it which is the problem thanks again Katiana once again so insightful so helpful now you can listen to all our growing pain sessions again on the light breakfast podcast that's on the shock app that's s-y-o-k